Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about having patience in counseling. I am thrilled to introduce you to a friend of mine, uh, first time on the podcast. Uh, His name is Dr. Jonathan Okanaga. Uh, Dr. Okanaga is the Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he also works in biblical counseling in his local church, Hallmark Church, right here in the Fort Worth area. And uh, we were really grateful to have him down for our CBCD conference this past fall, and um, so I'm grateful to have... uh, John here on the podcast today. Welcome, brother. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for the invitation, Keith. Glad to be here. So I bet with your students, uh, you know, I know one of the passages that we often do when we're teaching biblical counseling is First Thessalonians. Uh, you know, I urge you, brothers, right, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and the catchphrase, be patient with everyone, right? Yeah, with them all. With them all. And, and so this is a really great topic because I think that um, – when we are engaged in caring for other people, especially those that have counseling problems, life problems, mm-hmm. we know that this is an emotional time. It's a difficult time. And um, the way ministry works is not like we just go in and open the Bible and it fixes everybody's problems. Yeah. There's a caring relationship. There's a communication. And often that involves a long-suffering, mm-hmm. right? a, a bearing with those along the way. So I appreciate the topic. Um, how do you, how would you say the Bible guides us in developing patience, especially in the context of counseling uh, those who are struggling? Sure. You know, you know, I did some research before I came on to uh, this afternoon, and depending on the translations, if you were to uh, Google search patience, long suffering, endurance, and perseverance in the Bible, you know, depending on the the translation, it comes up between seventy to one hundred and ten times. You know, and as I walk with my my counselees, and they're just going through struggles, I just tell them, hey, my job is not to fix you. I'm just going to come alongside you for a season, whether that's four weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to always point you to the cross. I'm going to get, we're going to open up the word of God. There's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict. But during that process, I'm just going to be there for you as someone who cares for you and is willing to just answer your questions and really give you God-honoring advice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes when we think about caring for others, we do get caught up in, like, the skills and the techniques and the dynamics and Mm -hmm. even knowing Scripture well. And we forget that much of our ministry to others amounts to our own character, you know, living the fruits of the Spirit, one of which is Mm -hmm. patience, right? And and, and those all those verses that are referenced in Scripture about patience. So uh, we need growing patience to care for people well. Um, Could you give us a, a biblical perspective on the importance of patience, both for the counselor and, you know, it goes the other way, also for the counselee. So um, help us with that. Sure. So, you know, so 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience in teaching. You know, and as I w- see the guys that I've worked with, they don't have patience. You know, we live in a society today, they want things now. They, they really want things immediately. They want to get fixed. They want to get better. They want to feel better. And one of the questions I ask them is like, you have a choice. You have a choice between a TV dinner or you have a choice between steak and lobster. You know, and, and my guys are always like, I want the steak and lobster. And I said, but what's the difference? And I said, and I said, you know, for a steak and lobster, it takes the first four letter word God ever created. And that's time. Hmm. You know, we want things immediately. We would like to have that TV dinner ready in three minutes, but nothing of value actually comes easy. Everything that has value takes time to achieve. 
And I tell my counselors, like, I'm going to be patient with you, but I also need you to be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times they're like, well, if I don't get it today or I don't get it tomorrow, then I'm a failure. And that's kind of what we've conditioned people to be, right? Like in school, if you get it quickly, you're an A-plus student. If it takes a long time, you're not a good student. And I tell them as we go through the scriptures and we go and actually read the Word of God, the Word of God, can, can it immediately transform you overnight? Absolutely. But in my experience and probably with yours, that, that rarely happens. I had one guy, his name was, we'll call him Fred, because I don't want to, you know, mess up his anonymity. And Fred was someone who, who wanted things immediately, you know, and he just struggled a lot of the times. And, and as I just walked with him, I was like, hey, it's okay. And, and what I read, what he actually opened up and was honest about was like, I don't want to let you down. And I think sometimes our counselees are like, you know, we build this connection, this relationship with them and, and they start to see us as a brother or a friend and they're like, they don't want to let us down. And I'm like, hey, you're going to process what you need to process through on your time, on God's time. And, you know, I've had a quick, some of my quicker, my quickest session ever was a missionary uh, kid and he had just got to married, seminary student, came in for biblical counseling and I was like, you know, what's your problem? He goes, I want to get a divorce for my wife. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, you do remember that you entered into a covenant between you, God, and your wife. And he was like, no, no one ever told me that. Thank you so much. And he walked out. <laughs> Five minutes. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. Five minutes and done. I never, We never had another counseling session again. Wow. He'd come over. He'd drop off gifts at my house, thanking me for reminding him about this concept of covenant. And then I have another guy. We'll call him Joe. You know, Joe still calls me every Thursday, 530 at night. And I've been working working with Joe in quotations, right, for probably 15 years now. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the, the counseling part. He, he's just calling to check in. He's just calling to say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Can you offer me, me godly wisdom? And, and in my opinion, both are successes because both are realizing that absent of Christ, they're in trouble. Absent of Scripture as being their foundation, they're really not that bright. They're, they're kind of stupid. They're an idiot. Like the, the Proverbs talked about being a fool. And I look at him. We, we put so much... Uh, importance on this four-letter word, time, mm-hmm. that we're not actually looking at what's happening in their lives. Yeah. And that's more important than how quickly you get something. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. We, we, we think about there, there's no microwave spirituality, right? We believe in progressive sanctification, mm-hmm. and, and we have to really be believing that doctrine as yeah. we do counseling because it affects things like how do we think about time, what are our expectations. And then I, I appreciate what you're saying, not just from our end as counselors, but when we're dealing with people, helping them to realize that, uh, that's true for themselves, mm-hmm. and we're not going to pressure them inappropriately that they need to give uh, themselves and the Lord time to work in them the way the Bible says that he will. Yeah, I mean, if you've been struggling with uh, your life-dominating sin or, you know, my specialty is addictions, you've been struggling with drugs and alcohol for 13 years, you might not get it, right. you know, in three, four sessions or in three, four months. It might mm-hmm. be a process where you start to realize that, hey, God is more than enough. Mm-hmm. God can help me with my struggles. And, you know, I, I share with my boys, like, when I first got sober, you know, fruit of the Spirit was central to what, you know, how my pastors were investing in me. And they said, which is the one you struggle with the most? And the one I struggled with the most was actually patience. Hmm. I was not a patient person. I wanted things on my time immediately, you know. And, and my pastor, Robert, he was like, well, why don't you really look at what the Scripture says about being patient? And the verse that really hit home for me was Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Like just to rest in the Lord and know that he is sovereign over all things. And and I'm a little stubborn, and I don't know if I can share this on your podcast, but I actually tattooed it across my chest. Hmm. I have Psalm 46, 10 tattooed across my chest. And the reason being was every morning as I brushed my teeth, I was reminded 
that I need to wait upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. That my journey in recovery, my journey in, in really loving God, it wasn't going to just flip overnight. That I need to be patient in the process yeah. and that the process actually matters. Yeah, yeah amen. Oh, that's so good. So speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. um, give us some practical ways that we as counselors can cultivate patience, thinking about passages like Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Practical advice for, for myself is um, realizing that I'm not God, that that I need to rest upon the Lord and His wisdom and, and having the Holy Spirit direct me in my counseling sessions. Um, one of the things I pray every class that I teach or, or even when I'm doing counseling, Lord, just remove me from the conversation because I'm a fool and just have your Holy Spirit speak through me. So that calms me down. That slows me down to be like, all right, I don't have to have all the answers. And I think as counselors, sometimes we think we have to have the answer right then and there. And I tell myself and I tell my students, hey, it's okay to tell your counselor, you know, I don't know. Let me get back to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're, you're fulfilling your promise to get back to them, that's okay. And then when I'm working with my counselees for patients specifically, I make them identify certain passages in the Bible that they're going to commit to memory, that it just becomes a working part of their mind, that they're ingesting the Word of God on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. and that they're slowing down. And even with when I get excited, I talk really fast. So you just saw that. I talk really fast, and I just got to remind myself, like, hey, slow down. And I hear slow down from my mom and dad. Every time I speak on stage or whatever, I can see them and they're, they're, they're just like, slow it down. It's okay to just take things slow. You don't have to speed through this. And I'm trying to model for um, my counselees and also for my students that waiting upon the Lord is a gift, that, that there's a beauty in truly waiting upon the Lord. I think it's Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. To just, we don't have to run that race today. You know, we can take the time to, to just get through our, our, our struggles and through our process of dealing with things. And we're on God's time, not our own time. Mm-hmm. And again, leading into those those doctrines that we know about sanctification, it is really a marathon and not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we act like it's a sprint and uh, and that can undermine, yeah. you know, what God is doing. So really good. Um, how do you address the challenge of remaining patient? Um, I know this is a regular time, a regular reality for those of us that counsel, right? Mm-hmm. How do you remain patient when there seems to be little progress in a counselee's journey? Um, for me, it's my first, you know, I, I came from the addiction world. The first 12 guys I discipled or really counseled, I failed. You know, they, they didn't get it. And it, it reminds me that it's not my job to fix anyone, that if the counseling session isn't progressing how I quote-unquote want it to go, that that's okay. I need to ask myself, am I being obedient to the Word of God? Am I staying true to what the Scripture says? Am I following where the Holy Spirit is leading me? And if I, if I can answer those three questions and answer them in the affirmative, that yes, I'm waiting upon the Lord. I'm not trying to push my agenda. I'm not trying to force them to do what I want. I'm truly pu- pu- pushing them to see what does the Word of God actually say, that I've done my job. And I think sometimes we think that the only success is if our counselee gets it eventually. But what if we're just to be the one who plants that seed. You know, plants that seed of God is more than enough. Plant that seed that the scripture is sufficient for all things. Plant that seed that through prayer and petition, you know, we can present all of our requests to God in a peace which surpasses all understanding. And if that's all they take, and maybe it's two years later, mm-hmm. another guy comes alongside it and is discipling them and that light clicks on. I'm still part of that process. But I think we, we want to take, we want to get the credit. Oh, look at what, happened with so-and-so. Right. Yeah. 
But I'm thinking of my buddy, um, he called me Job, I called him Bildad in, in California. And under my care, he didn't get it. He never got it. You know, um, I ended up having to kick him out of my sober living home. He was my best friend mm. in that, in that world. And I felt like an absolute failure. How, why should anyone listen to me when my roommate, who is my best friend, I couldn't disciple him in a way that he got sobriety? Mm. You know, and it was three years later that he finally got it, that he finally understood the word of God is more than enough, that he understood that prayer and, and laying our burdens at the feet of Christ can take away all of our, our past and all the junk we went through. And he, Bildad now has, uh, I've been here for 10. He got sober. So he's been sober for 12 years now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he messaged me every once in a while, checking up on me, saying thank you for investing in him. And it's like, if I just thought that success was determined when they're with me, I'm missing the big picture because that's making me seem to be that I'm their God. Right. And yeah. that's not the truth. Yeah. Yeah, we, we all know the passage Paul tells of the Corinthians, some plant, some water. Yep. God causes the growth. But, I mean, if we're honest, most of us like to be the ones there when the growth is happening, yeah. right? And we forget that faithfulness is really the criteria of success, to be obedient. I like those three questions you mentioned. Yeah. And I think, too, I think Scripture helps us when we think about Isaiah or Jeremiah or some of these prophets mm-hmm. where they had very little, quote-unquote, success, <laughs> but they were being faithful to the call of God. Yeah. And, uh, and we stand on their shoulders when we think about counseling ministry, just being faithful mm-hmm. and letting God handle the results. So uh, what are some ways um, understanding God's patience with us <laughs> can influence our approach to counseling others? I think this is going to be really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I ran from... I've ran from obedience and I want to talk, I'm going to talk about obedience a little bit, you know, tonight, today, but I ran from God for 13 years, you know, and God never gave up on me. And the patience that I've been shown, I should be dead. I should be six feet under or in jail or in a mental institution. You know, those are, if I continue on that path that I was on, that's where I was going to end up. And when I first got sober, I had three individuals, Carlos Souza, David Giomi and uh, Robert Miller. And they were absolutely patient with me. You know, they allowed me to um, mess up. They allowed me to, I never relapsed once I was with them, but they allowed me to just figure this out, that God is more than enough. And the same patience and mercy that I've been shown in my life is the same patience and mercy I want my counselees to understand. Like, hey, if you fall down seven times, get up eight. You know, I, I don't care about perfection. I care about excellence. Actually, not even excellence. What I care about is obedience. Are you being obedient to what God has told you to do? And one of the questions I ask my classes, and it's an extra credit question, and so hopefully none of them are listening to this podcast because they're going to get the extra credit. <laughs> but I ask them, what does this statement mean? The reward for obedience is obedience. What does that actually mean? Are you doing it because you expect glittery prizes? Are you doing it because you expect your life to get easier in the end? Are you being, or are you being obedient because that's what God's called you to do? Mm-hmm. And, and that's a struggle for a lot of guys I counsel. They don't understand this concept of obedience. Like, well, if I'm obedient in this area of my life, then I should get a nice car or I should get the cute girlfriend or I should get a raise at my job or I should get straight A's. And it's like, no, that's not why you're being obedient. You're being obedient because that's what God desires or commands us to be is obedient. And that is the reward in being like, Hey, I'm being faithful to what God has placed on my heart. So as we're walking through through patience with, with the boys that, that God has placed in my life, I'm like, all I want for you to do 
is spend time in the word, spend time in prayer. And whether it takes you five minutes, like that first guy, or it takes you, you know, five years like Bill Dad, or it takes you 15 years where you're still calling me, I don't care which one of these you're going to be. But until God says, I'm done with you, or you're going to be removed from my life, I'm going to be there for you to care for you in a way that is God-honoring. Yeah, no, that's good. And you think, how many times does the scripture say, we love because he first loved us, Mm -hmm. or we forgive as God in Christ forgave us? So thinking about meditating on the patience God has shown us Mm -hmm. is a a feature, a way to help us to show that same attribute toward other people. So I'm grateful for that. So you mentioned it. Um, what advice would you give to counselors who are feeling impatient or discouraged in their ministry um, when it comes to this subject? Well, first I'd be like, I'm, I'm sorry that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been there before. You've probably been there before, and you've been discouraged and, and looking feeling hopeless in it. You know, I would hope that you have a discipler. For me, it was Dr. John Babler. He's the one who said, hey, it's okay. Just that reassuring fatherly voice. And, you, you know, Dr. Babler is a big guy, and he just comes alongside you and says, hey, it's going to be okay. And there's this comforting presence knowing, like, hey, if he's saying it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And quit beating yourself up. You're going to make mistakes. None of us are perfect. You know, just because you have a doctor a PhD behind our name or whatever, people think, oh, you have all the answers. I really don't. I, I've made a ton of mistakes in my ministry. I've made a ton of mistakes in counseling, but by God's mercy and grace, like there's forgiveness. And I just guys, hey, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I tried to play your job. I'm sorry that I tried to wrestle away control from you and be God to this person. So if that's where you're at, all right, let it go. Quit, quit trying to be God. But if you feel like you're a constant failure, that nothing you say is working, that your counselor is just spinning constantly and there's, you don't see hope with them. That's not your job to fix them. That I don't think there's any biblical counselor that will ever teach someone like your job is to fix someone. I think we all agree that our job is to point them to the cross, get them into the word, get them into prayer. And it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. And we're just part of the process. We're just there for the ride, basically, to be the one to remind them of biblical truth, to combat those unbiblical thinkings, with what the Word of God actually says. That's what we need to do. Or when they need encouragement, if we look at, you know, I'm going to talk about First Thessalonians 5.14, right? When we need to admonish, we admonish, right? If Hey, if you're doing something that's not God-honoring, I'm going to call you out on that. But not from a position of I'm better than you. I'm just a brother walking alongside you. And I'm going to admonish those unruly thoughts and those unruly behaviors. Admonish, encourage. When you're struggling and you're crying, I'm going to put my arm around you and say, hey, it's going to be okay. I don't know when it's going to get better, but I want you to know that God loves you in spite of all of this and encouraging them in a way that brings God praise going on and then helping them, giving them that practical advice, giving them that homework, helping them realize that they're not alone in this struggle, that there's a community of believers, hopefully a, a local church that is going to come alongside them and help them through this process. And last but not least, be patient with them all. You know, I, I challenge my students to say, hey, it's easy to be patient with people we like, right? Really easy to be patient with people we like. But are we being patient with those that test us? Are we being patient with those who we have a struggle with? And and we'll call him Jay. Jay was 13 years old when he came to work with me. He was a cutter. Um, he was a adopted, foster to adoption. He'd have been abandoned a bunch of times. And I dreaded seeing Jay every time. I just did not want to see this kid. And... Um, this is back when I was in shape, you know, doing CrossFit and lifting weights. And that was part of what we did. I worked out with my boys. We went and lifted heavy weights, and then we talk about Jesus at the end. 
And on this particular counseling session or workout session, he started cry- he ran out crying, like he left bawling. And I'm like, mm. thank you, Lord. I'm done with him. Don't have to see this kid ever again. That's what I thought. That, uh, that night I got a phone call from his dad and he was like, you'll see him. He'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to do with me? Like, this is my out. And Jay um, came back and we had, my son's name is James. And we had James during COVID. And Jay was the second non-family member to hold my son. There's a patient walk that we had to go through. It didn't click immediately. It wasn't like, hey, I want to hang out with you. I want to invest time with you. But Jay was patient with me. I was patient with him. And through that blossom, this amazing relationship now where, you know, we have this trust and, and the Lord was patient with me as well in this process. He could have easily said like, you're, you're an idiot. You're a fool in how you're treating this young man. Like you need to invest in him. But like doctor, I had Dr. Babler though. <laughs> and I would share my concerns with Dr. Babler about this kid. And, and Dr. Babler was just be patient with him. Show him that same love and compassion and care that you show people that you like. Invest the same way with with this kid as you do with everyone else, and I listen to that counsel, and I think that's the, the other part. Have that older biblical counselor doesn't necessarily be older in age, but someone else has a little bit more experience who's been through those. We all have struggles, like it's not all cupcakes and and roses, right? <laughs> and and have that that older biblical counselor to remind you to just wait, wait upon the Lord, have the Lord convict and just walk alongside those people that God has placed in your life. Well, John, thanks so much for being with us today. This has been a great conversation, and you've really helped us uh, to think about uh, being like our God has been to us, uh, being patient with all. For more information about uh, the ministry of Dr. Jonathan Okanaga, uh, you can visit uh, the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary website at swbts.edu. And uh, as well as their academic programs, they also have a certificate program in biblical counseling, which you can read about on that website as well. So, John, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Keith. It's an honor um, and a pleasure to do this. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, you can visit us at thecbcd.org.